Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Julie Davidson. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com. My Church, are we just so excited to be here this morning? I'm so excited. I just, I love saying My Church. I think it's really cool and exciting that we are in this whole new season. And uh, I'm, I'm both privileged that you are a part of this season with us. Because the truth is he's calling us into something altogether new. And so I don't know if you're aware, but this is your best season yet. It's our best season yet as a house, and it's your best season yet personally, in your marriage, your finance. All of it in Jesus' name is about to step into a whole new territory and realm. And so I hope you're buckled in. And I always say to my kids before we take off uh, in, you know, on our adventures, I'm like, are you buckled in? And I feel as though to say that to uh, our house, to you this morning, like, I hope you're buckled in and ready because we're about to set out for the ride of our lives. And uh, so get ready, get excited. I know some of you are like, all right, I don't know what's coming. Neither do I, but I know it's good. And uh, I do know a bit because he gives us types and shadows of what's coming, but it's always, I always dumb it down is what I've learned about the promises of God. And so it's, it's just so good what we're about to step into. But we're going to open up our, our Bible, if you actually have one, and not many do come into church anymore with your big Bible, but why don't you open up your phone and uh, we're going to read out of John 15, 1 to 5, and then we're going to jump to uh, 15 to 7. Actually, we're going to read the whole thing. That's, that's a lie. We're going to read all the way through till uh, 16. So just if I confuse you at the back. But this is Jesus. This is just a really simple conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And uh, it's one that I believe he wants to have with us, his disciples here this morning. The, the conversation continues. <laughs> I pray that I echo it well here this morning. But this is what Jesus is saying to his 12, to his faithful followers. He says, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends to the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. Just to stop and pause and say a lot on that, how beautiful is that image that the fruitless areas of our life, of your life, maybe there's areas you can even think right now to the the areas that have not been fruitful, but maybe possibly fruitless. I love how he doesn't discard it and throw it away, but he actually takes those fruitless areas and goes, all right, let's prop you up and lift you up towards the sun so that you can receive life, so that you can bear. I just think that shows the heart of our God so beautifully. There's no judgment from the very onset. He cares for the branches. He lifts you up, props you up, and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Pruning every, this is how he loves us. He loves us, what, by pruning fruitful branches? You prop up the fruitless ones so they can be fruitful, and then you prune the fruit? There's something in that that we're going to get into a bit later, but there's something beautiful in prune. I'm actually, I'll do it now. When you prune a plant, I was looking it up because I'm not much of a gardener, but we have this tree, a uh, fig leaf tree, and it had all these brown little leaves at the very bottom of the plant. And at the top, there was much healthy fruit. It was green, it was lush. And I looked it up and it said, listen, if you want your, your tree to continue to bear fruit, you must cut away the, the fruitful and the fruitless. The, if there's any dead part on that leaf, you must cut it off because the tree wants to bear, the, the root of the tree wants to send nutrients to the entire tree. And so if you have areas of your life or there's areas in the tree, if you will, that are fruitless, there's still, there's still nutrients that will go to those dead places. And does that speak to you this morning, that there might be some stuff in your life that you need to cut off, but it's continuing to pull from a source and there's energy going to it where there's great fruit at the top and it can't actually reach it because it's going to these dead ends. And so the love of our Father, He knows what to cut off, but then there's fruitful areas. And why, why do we cut off fruitful areas? Because it's actually better for a tree to have a little bit of areas where there's much growth than a tree that is 
completely full. That's what this means. As you cut away even the fruitful things, and there's seasons where God will pull you back, and there's things that are fruitful. There's nothing wrong with them. I think we've even been in that season as a church. There's, there was songwriting. There was music flowing out of our house. There was conferences and all kinds of beautiful, fruitful endeavors. But for a season, for a season, he pruned us back so that we can yield a much greater harvest. And that's, that's what he does with our lives. There's seasons where he goes, no, I actually don't want you to bear right now in this season. Winter seasons seem barren, but they are not. They actually just expose the root systems, they expose the branches, they expose the, the support structure. And so in seasons where you go into fruit, fruitlessness, seemingly, I'm not bearing, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to advance in my career or I'm trying to get that promotion or we're trying to purchase a home or we're trying to bear as a family. We're trying to, you know, bring life into the world. Maybe actually, or there's things in your life that you have yet to step into, promises that you've yet to step into, but how good is God that he is so kind to go, no, I actually don't want you to bear because if you would bear in this season, your branch is not strong, it's not sturdy, it's not healthy, it's not at the place where you will maintain the fruit. And so I prune you back so we can focus on the structure, so we can focus on that inside part of your life, so that when you do bear, you will reap a harvest in Jesus' name. And you'll be able to maintain and advance and not retreat. So he's a good father. This is what he does with us. It's so beautiful. Pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. A greater harvest. The words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. Like there's already so much revelation in this. So you must remain in life union with me. But listen to this. For I remain in life union with you. So that just shows us, doesn't it? He's like, I'm all right, I'm remain. I, I, I don't need to tell myself I must remain <laughs> in you. No, no, it's, it's us that we must make the daily choice, the moment by moment choice to remain in the presence of God. Because he's like, I'm, I'm remaining in you. That's a given, that's a promise. You have access to me, I, I don't go anywhere. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. That's a promise. But there's seasons where we can dislocate ourselves isn't there so he, he encourages us remain remain just remain in life union with me and watch what happens for I remain in you for a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine so what have we already learned about about our relationship to Jesus. He says, abide in me, remain in me, just, just stay. It's like, don't do anything fancy or exciting. Just please just remain, just re remain in union and communication and, and remain also in abiding. It gives language of just being with him, the simplicity of being with God. Just remain in him. And what happens is there's this fruitfulness. So as you abide, you begin to abound. As you abide, so you abound. And as we abide, we abound. But what does abounding look like? What does a fruitful life look like? Well, there's culture that will tell you fruitfulness is the two-car garage and 3.5 kids or whatever it is. I don't even know how that makes sense. But, you know, promotions and opportunity and you know, winning in life and your Instagram is full of highlight reels. That's success, that's fruitfulness. But actually, I love this scripture because it, it, it brings it really simple where the world would like to make success and fruitfulness really complex and out of reach. God just, he brings it so clear to us. So as we abide, we abound and we become fruitful. And this is what fruitfulness looks like. It says, I am the sprouting vine again. He's saying it again, I'm the vine, you're the branches. As you live in union with me as your source, again, he's like, okay guys, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the source, 
You're not the source. I believe he's saying this over and in all kinds of different ways because we need that reminding because we can feel the sense of urgency to produce, right? As the one who's on the branch, it's like, oh, I'm not producing. He's like, it's all right. That's not your job. Your job, you've got one job. (laughs) You've got one job. Just do your one job, and that's to remain and to abide. And as you do, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness, beautiful, beautiful fruitfulness will stream from within you, not from without you. Where culture would say fruitfulness is out there. No, no, no. This scripture so clearly says the fruitfulness will begin, begin within you. It's an inside job. Fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Have you ever been in seasons where you're like, I'm doing all the things. You're like, ah, you land at home and you're exhausted because you're doing all the things that should result in a fruitful life. And you're exhausted. You're stressed out. Your relationships are falling apart. They're not healthy. They're not at the place where they could be or how God designed them to be or your marriage you're just missing each other because you're running around in all these directions trying to become fruitful successful or arrive at some desired location and I love that that in this scripture God's like there is no destination you actually have everything you need already you don't need to go here to get there it's like it's within you A person separated, though, from from God, a person who is not abiding on the vine, who has yet to understand that life begins with God, just trying to find it out there, It's it's a fruitless life. That person is separated from me. He is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. It's extreme language, but he's trying to show us this is Jesus, okay? Full of compassion. And sometimes compassion is like, ow! But we need to hear it and go, right, life outside of Christ, dislocated from the very source of life and love and hope and peace and joy and contentment, life apart from him, I have nothing. We need to be reminded, church, that apart from Jesus, it's fruitless endeavors. If I build my church, my church, if this church is built without the help and the grace of God, we labor in vain, and that is so true. That is so true, and I've been in seasons like that. I'm like, I'll do all that, and it's, it's fruitless. Go, right, it's a yielded life, it's a surrendered life, it's a, it's a life abiding in Him. If you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, how beautiful, then you can ask whatever you desire, it'll be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples. When you begin to step in to bearing fruit, what is this fruit? I'll quickly go here. The fruit in which we abound in is our love for one another. It's a life lived, loved, and giving love. If you wanna just break this life all down and make it really simple, this life is all about living loved and giving love. And that's a fruitful life. That's a life ever abounding. As we abide in his love for us, then there's an overflow of his love to the world around us. And that's how he's called us to live. He says, love each other deeply in verse 12. As much as I have loved you, Wow, that's quite, that's quite the, you know, thing to say over his disciples because at this stage, they didn't actually understand the sacrifice he was about to make. And so I think he's preparing them. He's like, you've got to love people like I'm about to love you. A couple, you know, scriptures away from here, Jesus was about to give his life, hang on a cross and, and give the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me, for the church said, you got to love like that. The greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. So he's trying to show his, it's like foreshadowing, like I'm about to do this and love the people 
in your world just like I'm about to love you. It's massive. It'll show that you're my intimate friends when you love like this. I've never called you servants. I don't do life at a distance with you. A master doesn't confide in his servants. Servants don't always understand what the master is doing, but I call you my most intimate friends. For I reveal to you everything I've heard from my father. There's no secrets. What that means is our relationship with heaven, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is the person of Jesus. When Jesus came and he died and he presented himself in body to his disciples, he said, I gotta go. I'm gonna go up to heaven and hang out with my father. But it is good that I leave you because I'm gonna leave with you my Holy Spirit, which will come and live on the inside of your life so that everywhere you go, no matter where you are, no matter who you are and what you're doing and where you find yourself there, the person of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not a spirit, it's the person and his name is Jesus. And he promises, he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the greatest gift of all. It's what he fought for, it's what he died for, so that we can have access all the time to all of heaven's treasures and, and rewards and, and truly his secrets. It's like, I'm gonna share them with you so that you would go and love one another deeply. So we abide, we abide, and then we abound, and we abound with fruitfulness. And what is that fruitfulness, church? It's our love, it's our love for one another. So as a church, my prayer is that our church would be fruitful in the, in the true meaning of fruitfulness, that as we abide, we then abound and we become fruitful. And so I'm gonna share really quickly. It's gonna be a really simple message here this morning because that's what I need <laughs> in order to succeed in life. I'm like, give me, give me one thing to do, okay? Because gosh, there's a lot going on, isn't there? Just give me one thing, but I'm actually gonna give you two. But I think we can handle it. So first is to live loved. I already said it, but we're gonna break that apart a little bit. Live loved. Just live loved. It's that whole abiding, just being with him. If you wanna say it in other terms, be with God. Just be with him. And I love how Jesus DTR'd our relationship with him over and over and over again in, in John 15. He says over and over again, I am the vine. I remember when Caleb and I were starting to hang out in big groups and youth church and everything else, and we started to kind of, you know, we were like, man, you're kind of cool. The truth is, the first time I met him, I was like, I heard, this is your husband, truthfully. It only took six years to truly make the decision and say yes to the dress, but... Yo, you can go now. Sorry, so, I'm sorry, Kelvin, I love you. I just, I'm like, oh, this isn't the right vibe, but I didn't tell you to leave. I love you so much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> when I met Caleb, I was like, wow. You know, he was a worship leader. Little tip for you there. And uh, I was like, oh gosh, and I sang and he sang. I'm like, we could sing together, and we did. But we truly were falling for one another. I remember on Christmas Day in 2004, we, you know, he drove me. He's like, I'll drive you home. There's a bunch of people who had cars. You know how that goes. They're like, well, I'll drive you home. I'm like, sure. So then he drives me home in his dad's big black pickup truck. And I was like, this is cool. And then we get to my house. And it was like that lingering where you're like, so. It's like, who's going to bring it up? We were about to have the DTR, and we sat there and uh, both determined the relationship. I define. Okay, guys, I'm 33. It's been a while. <laughs> but I remember sitting in the van and being like, oh, gosh, like, are we going to have the, uh, you know, you start, your palms get all sweaty, and I don't know what happens to your body when you're, like, what happens? And he just starts to go, so, you know, like, it's been really fun hanging out. I was like, yeah, it has been really fun hanging out. And we, you know, we start to share. We go back and forth. And I start to get excited because I'm like, oh, my gosh, he does like me. And so then, you know, get a little bit vulnerable. And we have the conversation. But both of us decided, you know, a couple months ago that we were going to take a year and just be with God. How, don't do that. That's so ridiculous. Be with God and each other, okay? Because <laughs> that's what happens anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> so then he's like, okay, we're going to take a year. We're going to just be friends. We were determining, you know, defining all the rules and all the things that we were going to do moving forward and what, how this was going to work. And uh, we lasted 11 months, and I'm so excited to tell you that. But that's pretty good. No kissing for 11 months. I'm giving you a lot of details. But that is fantastic. Well done. Well done, babe. So what happens, we determine when we come into a relationship with another person, there's always kind of a, a stage where it's like, hey, how are we going to relate to one another? What is this? What's happening here? And I love how Jesus, what he does with us is he defines it for us. And he goes, listen, you're going to want to be, you're going to want to be the vine. You're going to want to be me, basically. You're going to want to be the source. You're going to want to be the one that's like, look at me. <laughs> look what I can do. And he's like, okay, hey, we're not going to do that because that's going to kill you. <laughs> so he basically defines it for us and he goes, I am the vine, all right? You are the branches. And so who are we? We're not the vine. We are the branches. We are the ones that simply abide. We are not the source. He needs to draw our attention to that because we will edge into that from time to time. So we need that reminder. And he says, when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, the, the relation intimate, this is in the message, the relation intimate and organic. Intimate and or organic. How good is that? It's not a forced thing. It's not putting your best foot forward kind of thing. It's like, just relate to me intimately and organically. Bring yourself to this relationship. Bring your true self, your whole self. I want to actually have a relationship with you that's, that's honest and authentic, who you truly are. And the harvest then is sure to be abundant, but separated from me again, separated from me, you can't produce a thing. The, relation, the relationship should be intimate and organic. And I remember as we started dating or taking a year to focus on God, we would talk on the phone as you would back in 2004. I know all the people in the room are like, what do you mean you talk on the phone and hear voices on the other end? Like, don't you just send like emoticons and like, it's like, no, we actually talked. What an incredible concept. So... We were talking on the phone. I remember before calling him, I don't know if you ever told you this, but before calling him, I would sit down knowing the conversation was coming. And I would get out a sheet of paper and I would write down talking points and questions. Anybody else brave enough to admit it in the room? There's, my, there's all of you, I'm sure. If you didn't make a physical list, there was one in your head, okay? We're all guilty of this. I would write it all down. So nervous. And as he would call, I would have it there just as a backup for that stale moment in the conversation where I didn't know what to say. And I'd have all kinds of questions and like, well, today I, it's just ridiculous. But as we begin in our relationship with God, I believe that we can come to him in that same way where we can come into the presence of God and like sheepishly like, hey, so... Uh, Oh, gosh, uh, Heavenly Father, um, hallowed, hallowed be thy name. That is this, am I doing it right? It's like you're, you're always second-guessing yourself, trying to sound better than you actually are, putting your best foot forward and, and leading with that best foot. Well, he's like, I see that other foot, like I made that other foot, and I know it's there. So why are we doing this song and dance? And you think you're, you're tricking the very creator of your life into believing that you're somebody else than you actually are. And he's just like, I want actually to work with you where you are. I want to work with you and walk with you and show you the rhythms of my grace, which means you can lead with your weakness. You can lead with your true whole self. Like bring yourself into the room. Bring your whole self into your relationship and, and union with God. It says, I want to be intimate with you and organic. It's like, stop trying to formulate this and make this fancy or fancy talk. I don't need your fancy talk. I don't need your empty phrases. Matthew 6, 7, and 9 says it like this. When you pray, when you pray, there is no need to repeat empty phrases. Hello, amen. Father God, Father God. Praying like those. If the shoe fits. Praying like those who don't know God. 
For they expect God to hear them because of their many words. There is no need to imitate them. Since your father already knows what you need, even before you ask him. So again, he sees it. He's like, don't come in here being like, well, thank you, Heavenly Father. All the while you're like, all day long. He's like, bring that into this space. Like, I want that. Because then I can work with that. I can work with where you are. But when you bring where you want to be and not where you actually are, I can't work with that. I can only work with where you are and who you are. And so it should be the safest place. I just, this is so important to me. And I, I say it even to my kids because I can see them falling into the trap of empty phrases. And in Jesus' name, amen. Or, dear Jesus, thank you for today. And they start to say the same old rant that they do every day. Thank you for keeping us safe and sound. I'm like, you don't talk like that ever. I'm like, let's talk. Let's just talk to God. Like, just tell him. Like, Abby, what'd you love? What'd you love about today? Well, I love swimming. It's like, yeah, he probably loved seeing you swim and whatever. What else did you love? Tell him. Or like, was there anything you didn't like? It's like, what was sweet about the day? What was sour about the day? Give him the sweet and the sour. It's like, I want it all. I don't just want, you know, do you hear what I'm saying? It's like, bring it all to the table and let me work with it and walk it out with you. I remember Caleb, he's told this a couple times, but there's this, Part of his parents' property, he grew up on a farm. They still have the farm, and it's a beautiful reminder of, of this season, I believe, as, as he goes out and walks this field. But there was a season of life where he would go out to this place in the field where he'd be so far away from the house and so far away from the other end, like right in the center, and he would just shout at the sky. He found his place where he would abide with God, it's just, it's simple. It's like, find your place, find your space with God. Maybe it's the car, maybe it's a field. Maybe it's the shower, because it's the only place you're alone. I don't know where it is, maybe it's on the road. When you're pounding the pavement, going for a jog, wherever, wherever it is, just find your space. And in this season, it's different now with four kids, but in this season, when he had all this time, he would go into the field and he said, I would shout at the sky. And the other night he said, every time I look up at the sky, it was a beautiful summer night just a week ago. He said, I'm reminded of that season where I got so much affirmation and, and I got so much from my father in that season. Every time I look at the sky, I'm reminded of that season. But in this season, he was so frustrated. He's like, oh, God, like, why don't you speak to me? I'm so frustrated. It's always just, it's scripture, which is fantastic because that's the word of God and it's always, it, it always yields fruit because it never returns void. I'm thankful for, for the word of God and that's, that's step number one. If you want to hear from God, I don't, I'm not hearing from God. Did you crack open your Bible? No, we'll start there. Start there. It's everything you need for life and life abundantly, but He's like, I just want you to speak to me. You know, like a friend would speak to a friend. You talk about that in scripture. Like, you're not my servant. You're, you're my friend. I, I share my secrets with you. So it's like, well, I want that. Like, would you speak to me? And I was at church. This is a Saturday night when we used to do Saturday night church. And I was already there on time. And uh, the worship had already come to a close. And I keep turning around looking for him. I'm like, where is he? This is like 2004, 2005. Of course, of course she was. Whatever. I was focused on Jesus in this season. Remember? <laughs> no. So I'm like, where? Like, oh gosh. And then I see him. He rocks up and he goes into like the pew, like couple behind me. And he's like leaning. I can picture it. He's leaning on the pew and he's like frustrated. He has his furrowed brow that all of our children have. And he's staying there like all frustrated. And I turn around. And I'm like, what's going on with him? It's like a dark cloud, like Eeyore, you know. And then all of a sudden, this, the speaker that night, I believe it was our pastor at the time, he said, you know what? It's like, I just got to put this away. I just believe that there's somebody here tonight that said, you know, they want to hear God speak to them. They want to hear from God personally. And so I, I'm, I'm just going to take a moment and and, and really speak to that person, and he called you out. 
And he said, Caleb Davidson, would you come down in the front? And he gave him a word in front of the entire church that was so profound and so personal to his season at that time. And it truly launched him out into the ministry that was upon his life because then he went, listen, I'm going to take you under my wing. You're going to, I'm going to mentor you and I'm going to raise you up. And he stepped into youth ministry and it truly was the launch pad for the ministry that was upon his life. And so how incredible that when we take that moment to just simply abide and, and, and just stow away with God, whatever that looks like, do not underestimate the moments where it feels like you're shouting at the sky and it's going nowhere. He's listening. He's always listening. He is always listening. There is not a word, there's not a thought that doesn't reach his ears. He's so incredible to answer. He's so, he's so unique. He's so unique to what we need. He's so personal. He's into the details and I love David. No, I'm we need to move on to step number two. I know, I know. But David, his name is the beloved. Beloved. That's what his name means. Beloved. Be loved. Break it down. Be loved. David, if we remember, he conquered the lion, he conquered the bear, and then he moved on to conquer the giant. But I believe his name gives all of the strength and the authority that he walked in away. Because we understand that David actually lived up to his name. He just, just like the scripture is saying, he just remained. And whether it was in a backfield, tending to his father's field, he just remained in the presence of God. And from that place overcame a lion and overcame a bear. And then again, he remained in God. And he refused to put on what other people would want to put on him. The armor that other people would want to put. He said, no, no, I know who I am in God. I spent too much time in, in the presence of Jesus being affirmed in who I am that I don't need your armor. I, all I need is these five stones, five, the number of grace. All I need is the grace of God and this little slingshot that I made. And I'm going to continue to conquer and be fruitful. We see fruitfulness on David's life. He went from a lion to a bear to a giant to public victory. But public victory will always come after private victories that are unseen, that nobody sees. That is you and God just going after it. Just the battles. Hey, the battles that are within us. Let's get good at doing that work in secret, in the field, in the car, in the shower, at your desk, on your phone, journaling, whatever it is. Find your place to shout at the sky, to be with God. And bring your whole self to that place. Because that's what David does. Psalm 13.1. I'm hurting, Lord. I love this scripture. I'm hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? How much longer, Lord, will you look the other way when I'm in need? How much longer must I cling to this constant grief? I've endured this shaking of my soul. Does this sound like anyone? So how much longer will my enemy have the upper hand? It's been long enough. Take a good look at me, God, and answer me. Breathe your life into my spirit. This is where he's about to pivot. Bring light into my eyes in this pitch black darkness, or I will sleep the sleep of death. David is not in just an airy-fairy tough place. <laughs> this is a little hard, but I can do it. No, he's like, I will sleep the sleep of death. He's in despair. He's in possibly depression. But it's about to turn to delight. Why? Because he's abiding. No matter the season. It says, don't let my enemy proclaim I prevailed over him. For all my adversaries will celebrate when I fall. Lord, I have always trusted in your kindness, so answer me. I will yet celebrate with passion and joy. Here's his declaration. When your salvation lifts me up, I will sing my song of joy to you, the most high. For in all of this, you have strengthened my soul. My enemies say that I have no savior, but I know I have one in you. That's what happens when we abide and when we bring it all. When we bring the good, the bad, and the ugly, we're seeing in David, he's like, oh, I can work with that. Thank you. You brought what you're really feeling, what you're really facing. I can work with that. I can shift that perspective. 
It's like give him the perspective you have and then allow him to lift your head heavenward and change your perspective and also your declaration will follow. So we live loved. We live this life of love, of abiding. And then we step into abounding. Because if we abide, church, what happens? We abide, we then abound. If we abide, we abound. And abounding is a fruitful life. Not a life separated from God, fruitless. It's fruitful. John 15, again, it says, in the same way that I've loved you, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. Let, let my love nourish your hearts. We're gonna skip ahead, for I continually live nourished. Jesus is saying, I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. And we see that in Jesus. He, he goes away, he goes, I must, I must go away to be with my father. We see that. He's constantly moving in and through towns and villages and cities, but he's con consistently stowing away to get away to be with my father because he understands he is my source. And he's modeling to you and I how we must live our lives, giving, lo living loved and giving love. So it's a beautiful practice. And if Jesus, can I just say, can I just say, if Jesus needed to stow away to be with his father, oh gosh, do we have much hope? Just continue to step out and waking up in the morning, putting out whatever, getting out there, hustling, doing like whatever it is that's on, without the grace and the, uh, the supply of heaven, we have absolutely no hope of being fruitful. We must begin here. But as we do, our life overflows then in this love for people. What happens is his love fills and nourishes, just as he's saying, his love nourishes us and fills us up so that our life then, our life out here, what everybody sees, wherever you go, cafes, restaurants, your workplace, what people see, the fruitfulness of your life is then an overflow of the stream within you. You then live from an overflow. It's a beautiful place. Have you ever tried to create the stream? It's like, oh gosh, we do it all the time. He's like, you don't need to. I'm the vine. You're the branches. I'm the stream. I'm the source. Just tap in. Tap into that ready stream within you. Pastor Steve Penny said it like this. He said, you know, the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. I think some people wait for the right song and the right atmosphere and the right moment to, all right. Okay, now, now the Holy Spirit wants to do something like right now. But the truth is, <laughs> it's not a feeling. It's not, the Holy Spirit is not an emotion. Let's not dumb him down, the person of Jesus. Come on. Let's not limit him to our emotions and box him into the right atmosphere or season. But let's understand that he is a, a ready stream that we can access, that we can literally... <laughs> no. Not in the mood. So he's not in the mood. It's like, I'm always in the mood. But I work with you. You're, you're my ambassador. You're my representative. Listen to this scripture. I love this one. We are ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20. We, you, and I. Us just everyday ordinary people. <laughs> it's crazy. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God, as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. That's wild. That God would go, no, I'm gonna use your lips. I'm gonna use your life. I'm gonna use your arms. I'm gonna use your house. I'm gonna use your finance. I'm gonna use your spirit, I'm gonna use that heart, I'm gonna use your passions, I'm gonna use your gifting, I'm gonna use your talent, I'm gonna use you to bring, come on, to bring the spirit of God, the presence of God to people who so desperately need him. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. We tenderly plead, would you turn back to God, be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. 
through union with him, through, again, it's our union with God that we can bring people to a place of understanding, oh gosh, God loves you so much. Our union with him can bring union to so many people and bring them back to God because of our love for them. The first one I want to share with you is, um, is, is Jesus and his example. He said earlier, he said, love as I love. A real true love is one that lays him, his life down for another. That's, it's sacrifice. That's love. It's, it's like, it's gritty. It's, it's, it's not pretty. It's, it's not easy. It's like, this is love. And, and Jesus shows us on, on the cross actually what it looks like to love even when you're going through hell itself. And he shows that you can love in every season. I think some of us here in this room, like, I hear you. I'm supposed to love people, but I'm so busy. I'm like at the end of my rope, at the end of the day, it's difficult to even have a conversation with my husband or with my wife because I've been pulled in every direction from nine to five. Or when it comes to even just, you know, saying the right things to your children at the right time, it's like, gosh, I feel like I'm messing up all the time. I feel like a failure as a parent. I don't know what I'm doing. And I said that thing and I'm so sorry. Am I screwing them up every five seconds? Or, you know, it's really difficult to be a nice person sometimes. The truth is apart from God, it's true. It's impossible. But with God, with him living and working in and through our life and connected to the source, it's beautiful what can happen. Jesus shows he's giving his life. He is dying on a cross. And there might be seasons where you feel pushed to your limit, where you, like David, might be saying, man, if I don't get through this night, it's like death itself. I'm staring death in the face. Whether it be in your relationship, whether it be in your friendships, things are just getting complex and misunderstandings, and there's all kinds of chaos around your relationships, family relationships. Gosh, there's all kinds of things that can happen around our relationships or finances, just buried in debt, unable to get out of it, or maybe there's a report that you've received or somebody you love has received and you're battling that, you're carrying that. There's stuff that we deal with in life that we can say, I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the ability to now go out and do nice things for people, like what? But Jesus, as he hangs on a cross with nails through his wrists and as he's swallowing blood on the inside and he's dying from the inside, because the blood is just, with a crown of thorns on his head, the mockery of the soldiers, king of the Jews. They're mocking his authority. They put whips on his back. He's carried across through this town where he's healed many people. And now those people have turned on him. He's undergoing every sickness and disease. And he's taking it upon his body. All in this moment, I'm just trying to give you an understanding. Though we will never understand Let's try to understand and appreciate this moment. And what does he do as he's on that cross? He looks down at his feet while he's on that cross. And who does he see? He sees Jesus' mother who is standing next to his cross. Along with Mary's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved. I love that this is John who's writing this. Is John. It's like, as he saw the one who Jesus loved, just the Bible is funny if you really think about it. Standing with her, he said, Mother, look. Mother, look. Because he has great compassion. Here he is, taking on the unimaginable upon his body. And in this moment of time, he sees with compassion that his mother is about to be without him. And so with great compassion, where many of us would go, look at me. Like, look at me, look at my sacrifice. Look at what I'm doing for all of you. Instead, he shows that we can have access. He says, love like me. So we actually have access to this kind of love. It's not, oh, it's just for Jesus, no. The person of Jesus, remember, lives in you. So we have this access to do this well. Goes, look, look, John will be a son to you. And then he said, John, 
Look, she will be a mother to you. And from that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. That's beautiful. That's, if we can consider any aggressive act of love, that was one of them. Most beautiful. And I believe that it will release us here this morning. I do believe that. That this will unlock something for people who are going, I can't. I don't, I don't have the resource. I don't have the ability. I know they can. Their circumstance seems easier to, to give and to sacrifice and to serve and to love and to see need and meet need. But not for me. But let this truth open up the eyes of your heart to go, wait, maybe it's, 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 there's nothing actually wrong with me. I just actually need to abide. I need to abide better. I need to do that well so that I can abound, so that I can continue to have this fruitful life where I can actually love people no matter the season, no matter the circumstance, no matter what's in my bank account, no matter what so-and-so said to me or didn't say to me, no matter what's going on in my world, whether I am in the middle of a storm or standing on Victory Mountain, I can see people, love people, value people, place people in community and family and belonging, meet felt needs of people. I can see and I can love and I can reach and I can meet no matter what the season. Because, well, Jesus did it. If Jesus can do it and, and the same power that conquered death in the grave lives in me, then yet yeah, I will. I will. I'll give honor and glory to the name of Jesus by living like him, by loving like him. We live loved and we give love. Church, we live loved. We can't, we can't skip that step. We live loved and then we give love from the overflow, from the abundance of what God has done in our hearts. Incredible. I'm gonna share one last, just to, um, I believe, just give you a simple application. You know, there's a, there's many ways, I recognize there's many ways to love people. There's all kinds of ways. And if you want to get creative, gosh, I, I, I want to encourage you. Pick a day of the week and just go, this day is like a random act of kindness. I'm going to love big on that day. Just start there. And you'll actually note that it's really actually quite simple <laughs> to, to just love people creatively. And it doesn't need to be expensive. It could be quite simple. And uh, my kids and I, we started this kindness kind of movement, and they love it. And they'll remind me of it every single week. Mom, we missed Tuesday. Kindness Tuesday. We missed it. What can we do? Why, who, can we, who can we bless? And so, you know, we just, we get creative about it. We go, okay, what can we do? We start to put our heads together, and they name all these people that we can love on. And this last this, this last week, we were in Costco, and I said, listen, I'm like, guys, we missed Tuesday. We're going to do it today. Let's, like, do something for someone. And my mom, she just ended her, her job, and she's stepping into a new season, and she's about to shift in, in her season. And we wanted to mark it. We thought, hey, why not mark this? Why not celebrate not an ending but a new beginning? Just to shift the perspective, because we can come to endings and, and not understand it's a beginning. So I'm like, let's mark this. And so we're walking around Costco. We got a card. And then we come to these flowers, and there's all kinds for your garden. I'm like, my mom hates flowers on the, on the table that die. She's like, don't waste your money. So I'm going to give you something you can plant. So I'm looking. I'm like, oh, guys, I think this one. And I pull it off the shelf. It's this pink flower. And we're going around, and then I turn around, I'm like, oh, those daisies are so pretty. I'm like, she loves daisies, too. I'm like, what do you guys think? Like, daisies or the pink one? Finley, the pink one, of course. <laughs> so then we put it in our cart. We go to our driveway, and we're writing the card and, you know, declaring, like, there's a new beginning. You know, God's calling into something new. Go into the house, plop the plant down, and leave. She FaceTimes me back and goes, 
oh my, she's like, thank you so much. She's like, I have to tell you though, I was gardening like the day before and I went to the store and at Home Depot and grabbed daisies, like a daisy flower. And then I looked to my right and saw the flowers you chose. And I stood there holding the daisies and went, oh, does it need color? Or does it need white? She's like, I decided to go with the daisies, but I really like those flowers. And I actually put them in my cart. I went, oh, I'll do both. She said, as I wheeled around, I went, oh, I'm wasting, this is like so much money on flowers. Like, this is ridiculous. It's just a garden. So she went, she, I went back and put it back on the shelf. And I didn't get them. And as I left for work this morning, while you were at Costco, I thought, no, it needs the pink flowers. I'm going to go back to Home Depot and grab them. And she comes home, puts her keys on the table, walks by and looks out of the corner of her eye. She's like, wait. Did I buy the flowers? <laughs> and she's like, I turned around and went, okay, did I really truly forget that I bought, actually bought the flowers? And then she looks down and sees the envelope, sits down and reads all the words from my kids that don't make sense. And she sat there and she was like, oh, wow. Like, God, you saw that interaction in Home Depot where it's like, I want the daisies and the pink flowers. And then, no, I'm going to put the pink flowers back. And he's like, it's okay, I'll send your daughter. Because she's tapped in. She's just listening. She's listening. And she's, not to make myself like, yay, good job, Julie. No. I'm, remember, I'm just like a branch, okay? I just went, whoop, I just positioned myself to listen and to lean into the source. And something truly miraculous happened. That something so simple, we can just, so simple, but it does something so profound in the heart of the person receiving on the other end because it tells them, man, God, you see me. You're into the details. You know what I want and when I wanted it and, and you bring it to me. And we can be those people for the people in our world. Hey, so beautiful. You know, I'm gonna give an opportunity. We hope this message blessed and encouraged you. To find out more about our church, visit MyChurchCanada.com.